0: Let's go. let's go! Come on, everybody,
1: and let's get to bumping because it's really the way okay. the time say the rip city is jumping down. Come on,
0: everybody. All right, everybody, welcome to the 259th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man
1: Sage chilling here, man. When you texted me at like 9 a.m. and said he got fired, I'm like, you're just fucking with my emotions. Why would they do this at 9 a.m. or 10 a.m.? They should wait until no one can see it at like 9 p.m. So the the social media strategy was off. But uh, I'm very happy today.
0: I do have a history of messing with your emotions via text, via trade, via basketball. I, I believe when I still worked for the team, I sent you a, a text. I was like, oh my God, the Blazers just traded Myers Leonard for your boy at the time, Ryan Anderson. Oh, <laughs> and so I, uh,
1: you,
0: you, you spent a, a big chunk of the day trying to confirm that deal before I also oh, yeah. just said, gotcha. Yeah.
1: Like I, I looked, I looked in forums. I looked in, yeah, I looked in like Hornets 24 seven. I looked at, uh, another Hornets blog at the time. And I was just like, no, no one's saying it. No one's saying it. Thomas isn't saying it. Okay. Why do I have this news that nobody else has?
0: I, I was, I, I was a shit, but it was, it was funny. It was funny.
1: And uh, I hated so- Myers Leonard then. So I was like, fuck, we traded, you know, I know financial rules. That is not, <laughs> that is not a possible trade. But at the time I was like, He works for the Blazers. He should know this.
0: Good times. And it is an emergency podcast. It has been a minute since we have done one of these, Sage. It is uh, just after 11.30 a.m. in sunny Portland. Wanted to get your thoughts on the news that came down this morning. Uh, Blazers love their Friday news dumps. This one came, I think, five weeks to the day. After four or five weeks to the day, after the initial investigation was announced in early November, that too was on a Friday, Neil Olshay has been fired due to violating the code and conduct of the Portland Trailblazers. Interim GM, Joe Cronin, will step in and hold the fort down for the time being, while reports are servicing that Portland will search for Olshay's permanent replacement immediately. Just like a regular podcast, Sage, we're going to kick it off with a good, the bad, and the ugly. On today, on today,
1: what is your good? Uh, Neil Shay getting fired. I I, I, ha- I legitimately have a great ugly, but uh, yeah, Neil Shay getting fired and, you know, that was the major speed bump in making a lot of tough decisions. Who is going to be the decision maker? We haven't found the permanent decision maker, but at least we know for a fact that Neil O'Shea is not part of the future of the trailblazers. And that's great. He should have gotten fired from Terry Stotts.
0: Absolutely. And you mentioned who's going to be a decision maker. The first thing that came into my mind was in the song, it's all about the Benjamins. It's like, who's going to be the shot caller? Well, we have the ballers, but we had no shot caller. Nobody was calling in taking calls, being proactive, For the past month, the the team has been struggling. I mean, the the floaties are starting to deflate. They're taken on water. It is not looking good for this franchise. And Portland has been kind of a lame duck franchise with a lame duck GM for the past, specifically for the past month. You knew there were really, nothing was going to get done. There's no way the organization was going to green light any moves. And so Portland's just kind of there. We're jogging in place. Thankfully, a decision has been made. I, I think a, a lot will ride on who now gets the, is it an enviable, is it an unenviable task of becoming the new general manager? But what's going to happen? Sage, for my, my good is clearly the same thing, but I, I do want to kind of go through Olshay's moves in a way that kind of fits our format. So What do you think Neil O'Shea's best move was in his tenure with the trailblazers
1: trading of expiring Mason Plumlee for a guy on a rookie scale contract and a first round pick in use of Nurkic.
0: Yeah, that's definitely up there. I think mine is going to be the summer of 2018. I mean, Portland was coming off of a third place finish in the Western conference, but ultimately got swept at the hands of the new Orleans Pelicans Uh, There was a lot of turmoil, a lot of angst, a lot of uh, uneasiness that was settling in on Rip City. But the Blazers made some. I mean, this is what Neil does. He he kind of played around the corners and and nibbled at the edges without getting too into the thick of things, but found Seth Curry on a minimum deal. That's a great one. Right after he was coming off of an injury. And now Seth Curry, I think, is. I wouldn't say he's a borderline all-star, but he is definitely a great player on a championship team. And and I thought he made $10 million player, at least, right? He made that team go. He also signed two minimum contracts in Nick Stauskas and Wade Baldwin that allowed him to then make the move at the deadline for Rodney Hood. Again, a championship caliber player on a bottoming out team. Lord knows that Hood and Curry both played huge roles in Portland's Western Conference Finals push. And then during that season, he also got Ennis Cantor, now Ennis Freedom, to sign with Portland on the buyout market, which really hadn't happened in the past. Portland was not a buyout destination. Ennis chose Portland over Los Angeles. And without Yusuf Nurkic for that stretch, Cantor stepped in and held his own So I thought those were uh, Neil's best moves. Uh, Probably a 1B to that would be the summer of 2015. Neil seems to do his best when the least is expected of him, unfortunately. Uh, Summer of 2015, Aldridge leaves for San Antonio. Uh, The rest of the, I believe Portland lost six of their starting seven rotation players. And again, he bit around the edges. Brought in Alfredo Camino on a good deal after he had a good season in Dallas under Rick Carlisle, brought in uh, Maurice Harkless via trade with the Orlando magic, uh, a, a lottery pick who really didn't play up to his expectations. And he also brought in Ed Davis. Uh, so he Mason started. Some, too. yeah, yeah, exactly. He made the trade on draft night, bringing in Mason Plumley and Pat Connaughton for Rondé Hollis Jefferson, which really set the foundation for that 2019 Western conference finals runs. Now, as we move on to the bad, what is your bad? Because there, there's he sustained or he, he got Portland to a certain level, but he wasn't able to sustain it. So, what is your bad for this episode?
1: I, I actually want to say another good. I think I, I felt like getting our ass beat so bad by San Antonio was was a nice factor in something happening. So I would like to say that the San Antonio ass whooping might have because. It, it might be a coincidence that he got fired directly after that result. It looked like a problem against San Antonio. That team isn't the most talented in the world, but they looked like it against us. Um, the worst, th- there's so many. Just the, the one, bad. we are not at the ugly quite yet. Oh, okay. The bad.
0: If it makes it easy easier for you, what was Olshay's worst move?
1: Oh, that's so, it's so tough. Cause there's the Zach Collins draft and then you got it. Got to pick one. I guess, honestly, the one that pisses me off more, I, I I'm going to let you have the Zach Collins one, but the summer where we re-sign, uh, uh, God, I've tried to get his name out of my mind. Uh, Myers Leonard, Mo crab Alan Crab, Evan Turner, Evan Turner. That was a, that was a bad one. I remember hiking in, uh, in uh Wyoming when that, that, uh, that free agency happened and I dropped my phones and it cracked on a rock. So I knew that it was going to be just a dog shit ass uh, free agency period for the Pelicans and the Blazers. But uh, yeah, that one was e- egregiously bad. I know that we got to a high height, but re-signing those players that didn't deserve that salary is always going to be a bad move, but you, you can talk about the, uh,
0: yeah, I, I think the 2017 draft was by far his worst outing as the on on the basketball operations side in in Rip City. 2016 aside, Portland still had a chance to really acquire multiple difference makers in the 2017 NBA draft. Portland had three picks in the middle of the first round. If they would have kept them, they could have added players like Jarrett Allen, OG Ananobi, Derek White, Kyle Kuzma. John Collins, had they still made that trade to get up to number 10 superstars like Donovan Mitchell and Bam Adebayo were both available. This is where I go from the transition from good to bad, where Neil did enough to keep the Blazers afloat, but great organizations, great coaching staffs, great general managers. They're always looking to keep the they're always looking to to kind of keep the ship running along, trying to continue to set sail. And you have to do that by always being on point. And what I mean by that is, yeah, it's great that we made that Western conference finals push, but you could tell it wasn't sustainable because there was nothing left in the reserves. There wasn't a, a young up and coming player that could continue to, to grow with the roster that, You know, if CJ goes down, you have another player back there who's able to uh, step in. Or if you get one of those players, you're able to then trade and kind of rebalance the roster. It just gives you so many more options. I mean, that's why teams like the Spurs are so, I think, highly respected. And what they did for damn near 20 years is so impressive is because they went from the Sean Elliott, David Robinson era. Tim Duncan. Then they found Jim's and Parker and Ginopoli. And oh, what did they do about 10 years after that? They went out and traded for Kawhi Leonard. Like they continuously found that next player that still was able to contribute while their current superstars weren't just completely out of their primes. And it was just such a smooth and seamless transition. That's where Neil O'Shea ultimately failed on the basketball side of operations is he couldn't just keep the consistently good moves going it was one great summer one just horrific summer or two horrific summers a really good summer like there was never a consistent just wave of good moves I would say that the another area where I thought Neil should completely drop the ball he talked about moving the needle so fucking often he never fucking moved the needle he probably hitched his resume to that curse Paul trade in Los Angeles. He never came close to making that splash in Portland. Lord knows there were multiple superstars available. I mean, we've discussed it. Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, uh, Jimmy Butler, uh, on and on that Paul George, that Portland could have made a better effort. James Harden. I mean, the names just keep popping up because there have been so many for prolonged periods of time yet Neil O'Shea was so stubborn on his roster that he took a, he didn't take a impartial view and he didn't look at it without bias. And it ultimately hindered the roster, put us in the position where we are today. And for that re for, that is one of the reasons, not, not the only reason that, that he was, uh, let go. Um, what was your, uh, before we go into the ugly, I, I do want to, uh, ask you a a somewhat fun question if you could go back and redo any one move that neil olshay did or didn't do what would it be it could be a a proposed trade it could be a different draft pick it could be a different signing uh what would it be sage
1: zach collins for donovan mitchell or bam no actually bam out of bayou because he is so much different than damon cj so i would have drafted bam instead of zach collins
0: my big one. So I'll do a, a big one and they'll do like a, a regular one. The, the first, the big one would be in the 2013 draft. Yes. CJ was probably,
1: Oh, a, you're going to get Giannis. <laughs> A top three or top four player from that draft. But Giannis
0: went like four or five picks yeah. after CJ. Could you imagine Giannis makes a lot of things a lot more palatable in, in Portland? Like you, you, you can, You can do a lot of things, a lot of good things with a Giannis Dane pairing. Portland probably has a banner in in the Rose Garden right now if if that move would have been made. Maybe one that I thought was starting to be the the straw that kind of broke the camel's back was the 2020 offseason. You're spending two first-round picks on an aging Robert Covington. You use your mid-level exception on Derek Jones Jr. I know I was all over that, like, what are we doing here? And the guy that I said on the podcast multiple times, Jay Crowder, Jay Crowder, Jay Crowder, goes to Phoenix. Look what Phoenix is doing with him. He is a starter, uh, a very good starter, contributing on that roster, fits like a glove. Portland just didn't make the moves in free agency that they had to do. Would you? I'm not saying you're going to get picks? Anthony Davis every year. You're going to be that you know a destination for LeBron in 2018. But there, when you have the mid-level exception, and this is not a shot at a Derrick Jones Jr., but when you have a mid-level exception so infrequently due to the summer of 2016, so when you actually do get a mid-level exception, you can't waste it on a player like Derrick Jones Jr., who just isn't really a fit for the modern NBA.
1: Well, I think he's a fit for the modern NBA. He was not a fit for Terry Stotts. Would you if you were the
0: playing in Chicago either? He he's done
1: some good rotation minutes oh, okay
0: he's a rotation he's a bottom of the rotation player but he's not a mid-level exception player
1: no would you have taken Sadiq Bay and at 15 or Cole Anthony Tyrese Maxey Desmond Bain Xavier Tillman oh shit it's yeah I mean if you trade not it up for hit. Devin Vassell trade it up for Hungekka
0: I wouldn't have trade I mean you take Sadiq Bey. He's your starting four. I think you do what the Memphis Grizzlies did. They acquire a late first round pick. You take Desmond Bain. And like you said, you go and get Xavier Tillman in the second round. You're starting to look a lot. So what's so frustrating That's three is,
1: rotation players.
0: is all of Neil's moves. He's had another opportunity to kind of right the ship. And he just continues to kind of fall on his face because we talked about the 2017 draft. The 2020 draft, I remember we did so much research. We put out a long mock draft. We, we, I watched so many scouting videos and was really looking forward to that draft. And then the news came that we gave up two picks for Rocco and all of that research kind of went out the door. But what didn't go out the door is how incredibly talented and deep that 2020 class was where Portland could have a starting two starting caliber players right now. And three in Tillman. If you if you go into the second round, I mean Portland has been known to go into the second round. They did it this year for Greg Brown. There's gems to be had. That class was deep. Olshay could have fixed things, so to speak, but he didn't. It was a that was his quote unquote from all reports swinging for the fences move, and he struck out on three pitches with that one.
1: I think if I had the if I was the general manager and I had what I had in my mind. I probably would have traded up and gotten Devin Vassell because I think he would have been the perfect three for Damian. Just a knockdown shooter that can defend and play make a little bit. I th- Devin Vassell was probably my third guy. He, I ha- I liked Devin Vassell more than I liked Anthony Edwards. Looking back, that is a bad mistake. <laughs> but like, I still think Devin Vassell is going to be a fantastic player. Like, Devin Vassell might have been a. Top five pick in my mind. I think I had him at three. I think I legitimately had him as the third best prospect. And I was mm-hmm. wrong about Killian Hayes too. So those were my two and three. But yeah, I, there was a lot of ways that he could do it. And he kind of went with the old veteran. And as we're seeing now with how little Robert Covington plays, it's like that was a humongous mistake as well. I have a joke ugly. You you didn't get a chance to watch any highlights of the San Antonio game yet.
0: No, I just listened to it. I don't I I might bring myself to it, but when I was listening to it, I was like, this is uh the, okay. the radio announcer sounded so depressed calling the game. Like uh sad. sad. And before we we get to the the the, the joke ugly, I, I wanna still touch on the draft really quick because Portland hasn't had a first round pick since Nasir, Nasir Little, Little in, in twenty 2019. And when Nasir Little and Aaron Anthony Simons are both hurt, Dame's not playing. Uh, I saw it on Twitter. I think it was from Sean Hyken. He said, there's just not really a lot to watch. What what are you watching for? Greg Brown, Dennis Smith Jr., Ben McLemore? I I was watching
1: DeJounte Murray. Yeah, that's what I was watching. There's
0: there's literally no reason to watch this team because you're not watching a, a superstar in Lillard or if you're getting your butt kicked, you're not watching the development of young players who could could potentially be building blocks for the future. So you're just kind of out there watching just a bunch of vets hanging on for their NBA contract lives, and mm-hmm. that's that's not fun. And I think that's one of the reasons why the the Rose Garden's been as empty as it has been since 2005.
1: Yeah, um, but- I, I was I was in this Fanduel final, so I, like I had a chance at getting like a ticket to like a humongous contest. So I was just watching for DeJounte Murray and playing Grand Theft Auto Vice City. But yeah, that, that, that game was so not fun to watch and be a part of. But speaking of that game, I I normally don't take notes, but the way Kevin Calabro said San Antonio was the most annoying way to say San Antonio. Give me your Calabro impersonation. San Antonio. San antonio. he he didn't he didn't pronounce the a and the n it was yeah so that it was my ugly for the week the way that kevin Calabro said san antonio I, i'll have to find it on twitter but it was grinding my gears listening to that
0: i would say my ugly is where do the blazers go from here um it's a step in the right direction i think it's totally fine to be happy on a day like today. Uh, McGowan has resigned. Neil O'Shea has been fired. I still think Portland has major concerns in the ownership area. Uh, I'm not a fan of Chauncey Billups is still here. Like I'm, I'm not a fan of what I've seen uh, from Billups and the Blazers Ross, like, like I said earlier, is it, an enticing job or is it a, I guess I'll take this GM job because there's only 30 available because what are you stepping into one? You have a a superstar and Damian Lillard, who's turning 32 this next year. Like we're, we're starting to get into the mid thirties with Damian Lillard and he's already showing you know, some signs of wearing down a bit, especially with that, uh, abdomen abdominal injury. You're already over a quarter of the way into the season. You're under 500 in a pretty weak Western Conference. You have major holes across the roster. You have no draft capital. I don't know if there's a market out there for C.J. McCollum or Yusuf Nurkic. Lord Lord knows that I have spent time sending you trades that, and it's so hard to see oh, this team could actually use that player. It, it just There's not really a need for a center, and there's not really a need for an undersized two guard to get the the value back that Portland needs to be competitive in, in the Western conference. So where, where do the blazers really go from here? Like I don't think the black clouds completely lifted above this, this franchise. Like I still think it's going to take a lot of time. And I think job one for the new general manager is to get on the same page with ownership and say, are we trying to win now? Or are we going to rebuild because Neil O'Shea has had us playing chicken for the past three years not choosing a direction, going straight into uh just just straight without making a, a move left or right. So that's my ugly. We still don't know
1: what's next. My ugly is how Neil Shea treated people. I, I mean that's that too. I, that that's, that's just obvious. That's just that's obvious, so I'll take it.
0: All right Sage, so there have been multiple reporters reporting multiple names that could be uh potential replacements for neil osha you have chris mannix from sports illustrated throwing out danny ainge's name you have uh chris haynes saying that uh chicago's front, chicago and new york's front office uh, personnel could be involved as well i believe that the Knicks' name is mark perry and Ah, Chicago Bulls GM Mark Eversley and New York's GM Scott Perry. Then you have Bleacher Reports Jake Fisher throwing out uh, Grizzlies executive Tayshawn Prince and uh, Brent Barry as well. Sage, do any of those names give you cause for concern, excitement? I know anybody is a step up above Neil Olshay, but... I don't just want to get better than Neil O'Shea. I mean, that bar is way too low for me. I I want to get somebody who's going to grow with the franchise, be here for the long haul and hold the coaches and the players accountable, have taken impartial view of this team. Like, I feel like that's kind of been Portland's downfall. It's just been a little too Mm buddy-buddy and not in a, a negative way. In terms of like, I don't think it's bad to be buddy buddy, but when it's impacting your decision making to build a a championship caliber roster, I think personal bias has gotten in the way of certain moves, and I, I just want somebody who's going to treat people with respect, but also kind of take a step back and remove themselves, and, and really just focus on doing the best decisions for the team as a whole, not because, well, you know, I really like Chauncey or I really like Yusuf. if I, I want to keep them around, if you feel like the move needs to be made by all means do it. So do any of those names do anything for you?
1: If, if Danny age can bring his own coach and his own staff around him, that really interests me. But if Danny age doesn't have the power to fire Chauncey Billups, that doesn't, that doesn't get me going. Tayshawn Prince and Chauncey Billups probably are gonna to be too buddy buddy for me. I don't I think the biggest problem right now is Chauncey Billups' is coaching. So I don't want Tayshawn just because of that. If Ainge can't fire him, nah. I don't really, you know, like I don't really know Brent Barry's, what he's done. The Knicks signed Kemba Walker, and that was a bad one for me. Bulls did fine, but I, you know, like, don't the Bulls of have them... a Car- Carney Silvas? He's from
0: Denver. I don't know how to pronounce his name. I'm sorry.
1: Oh, okay. I mean, sure. I'll I'll take him. I don't really. No, I don't really that's know. That's what GMs. I'm saying.
0: Like, who's the GM in Chicago? I thought that was their GM, Arturus Carney Silvas, executive VP of basketball operations.
1: People like us are gonna just lie. Like we know what these people did in their organizations. So I have no idea what these bulls or the Knicks, like who made those decisions. Honestly, I'm just looking for somebody who's confident and with the power to fire Chauncey Billups.
0: Yeah, I want somebody who is going to be able to hold their own. Like you're talking to Jody Allen and Burt Cole and you say, this is what we're going to do and why. You hired me for a reason. I want somebody who is going to be respectful. I want somebody who is going to have a good relationship around the league. I think that's really important to be liked, especially when it comes to agents, when it comes to free agency, when it comes to trades, you know, you scratch your back, I'll scratch mine. And that can play a huge role. Like if you need to get under the salary cap or you need to get under the tax to make a trade, you have somebody you can call up and say, Hey, let's just, can we make this small move? It's not really going to impact either roster. And I'll get you back the next time. And that that shit does happen. So I want somebody who is going to have connections. Um, I really like what the Grizzlies have done. If Chauncey Billups wasn't our coach, I would be all over Khan. Okay.
1: That is just the Detroit Pistons yep. elite it, run. You can't you you can't have the elite Pistons without both of those players. And I, I just
0: want somebody who is going to not be afraid to say, I want my own coach, I want to fire somebody. Um I, 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 that's, I think Billups and Prince are just going to be too close there. I, I'm all for being on the same page, but I don't think there would be any um, objectivity when it comes to job performance. Um, I want no part of, of Mark Perry from the Knicks. I don't think the Knicks have really done a good job. Sure, they made the playoffs. Congratulations, but they're not going any further than the first round. Uh, they gave a bag to Evan Fournier. Uh, they haven't been the best drafting franchise. Yeah, they're getting a little bit more respectable, but I personally just haven't been too impressed. Again, like you said, we'd be lying if we knew what all of these players did. I'm interested in Brent Berry because the Spurs, I mean, they still have that aura around them. Chicago had a really good offseason, finally, but does that make up for everything they've done prior? I I don't know. Chicago is also a much more lucrative market to attract talent to. So you kind of have to take some of the moves they were able to make with with a grain of salt yeah
1: we can't we could not sign Lonzo DeMar De, or DeMar DeRozan or trade for DeMar DeRozan mainly because we don't have picks but like the Lakers signed Kendrick of none for the minimum there was no way in hell that we would get that there's no way in hell Patrick Mills would go to the the to us for that little of money so you know the, there's some moves that just are impossible for a small market Portland versus New York, Chicago, and L.A.?
0: I mean, I'm still on board with with Charles Lee from Milwaukee. I'd love to give Sharif Abdurrahim uh, a look as well. Of those five names, I'm not, like, stoked on anyone, but if Danny Ainge is able to come in and have some power to make his own decisions. Yeah, like, fire like, him, like,
1: hire Charles Lee, and bada boom, bada bing. Yeah, happy.
0: like you mentioned, I think that's the only way I'd be able to get on board with with Danny Ainge. I also don't think Danny Ainge would have any problem shaking up the roster, and I think that's really what Portland needs is is a roster shakeup. Um, mm-hmm. It's just it's stale right now. But again, Portland did this to themselves. This could have been uh, a move that was made years ago. It could have been done in the off season. It could have been done after the water bottle incident. It could have been done so long ago. Now Portland has their backs up against the wall. They have about 2 months to decide what they want to alter the course of the franchise's trajectory for the next decade in two fucking months. Mm-hmm. They did this to themselves. So, mm-hmm. yes, it is a good day, but it it's not over. Like the Blazers have a long way to go before they can get back to the glory days. And it's unfortunate, but Hopefully whoever is actually less than two months because who knows how long it's going to take for them to hire someone. And Portland has big time decisions to make with Nurkic and Covington. And I I think they need to get whatever they can for both of those players because you're not going to resign them.
1: Yeah, Hell, you're not giving Robert them the Covington bag. would
0: come back on his own anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh he's about had it up to here with the new coaching staff. So- I hear that.
1: We we all get that though. Like. Dude's been shitting, Chauncey's been shitting on Robert in the media for since the season started. Like, there's no way he's going to want to come back to this coaching staff next year. So you might as well, like, would you do Robert Covington and I think Ellerby for Thaddeus Young and one of the Spurs Young guys and like a pick?
0: only if a pick comes because again, I don't think Thaddeus Thaddeus young is one of those final pieces to the puzzle. We've we've, we're missing pieces to the puzzle Mm -hmm. right now. Like we still have to look under the couch for some of the pieces, to even find them to put, to, to see where they go. So we're, I think a ways away from a Thaddeus young making an impact because he is a good player, but I think he's like. To get you over that hump. Now I I do anything where I get picks back. That that should be the number one thing Mm -hmm. in Portland, replenishing that draft capital. So uh, yeah, that that would those would be my my, my number one things. And There's multiple because there there's so many where Portland has to go. You got to replenish your draft capital, and you have to make a decision on this season. Do you just kind of do a, a pseudo Warriors tank where oh Dame's hurt like Steph hurt his his wrist, and we're just going to hold him out so you keep that pick from Cleveland? You you miss the playoffs, or do you try to go guns blazing and, and, and make a splash? It, it, it's one or the other because.
1: Playing both sides hasn't worked for the Blazers yet, so it it doesn't make sense to try and do it with a new staff.
0: And it's also really, I was thinking about this. You know, I I meet Olga for for walks every night, and I was just I was thinking, okay, if Portland went all in, what would that look like? And it's a really difficult path to look at this year because it requires trading Yusuf Mirkich, it requires trading Robert Covington, and it requires probably trading CJ McCollum. So even if you get better on paper. Sage chemistry takes a long time
1: mm-hmm. and
0: mm-hmm. you're trying to get all on the same page with about 55 plus games left, probably 45 by the time all of those moves get made and you're going to try and, and beat teams who have been together for years.
1: It's. It doesn't make sense.
0: It doesn't make sense. And I don't know if you're able if to Dame gives Dame, us the
1: year. Like if he says I'm committed, do what you need to do that's fine then yeah go all in but we, we can't be held hostage for doing the things that we need to do just for the potential of a b and c
0: yeah i mean also i think speaking with dames probably on my top things to do as well and just say this is where we're at we don't have what we need to go all in right now are you cool taking basically the rest of the year off just for the long-term approach. I know Dame's not really a long-term guy. He wants to he wants to play and he wants to play yesterday. I mean, if it were up to him, he would not be taking this time off. I can guarantee it's probably killing him inside, not sitting, uh, n- not suiting up for, for the franchise right now. But if he is truly serious, which I believe he is, about bringing home a championship or hell, even just contending in Portland, you have to know when to punt. Like you can't always go for it on fourth down. So that would be a a big a big decision that that I would look at because Portland doesn't have like we're not we're in decent shape with, with the cap. Like if you can replenish your draft capital, if you can make moves that balance the roster out, um, you know, not lose free agents for nothing. Neil O'Shea loved losing players for nothing. Um then you can maybe look ahead and say, here's what we want to do in 2022, because I don't think the Western conference is going to get just insanely better over overnight. Denver is still long-term really hurt. LeBron James turns 37 this December. So he'll be 38 by the time the next season is in play. Uh, you got the Clippers with, with who knows how Kawhi is going to hold up. Chris Paul is fantastic, but he is still 36. I mean, so there's, And you got teams like Memphis and Minnesota and Dallas who who are young. They still probably don't have the pieces yet to quite compete. So I I don't think you're walking into uh, a slaughterhouse in the Western conference next year. I think there's, there's, it's so open and it's open out East too, especially if, if Kyrie never gets vaccinated like that there goes one super team. Does it make you an immediate contender? No, but I think it opens the door much further than previously thought of just because this could be the new normal in COVID seasons where players miss time and it kind of throws everything off a rhythm. So if you're able to stay healthy and you have a deep team, you can kind of make that push. So it's going to depend on those three things. Draft, moving your assets before they expire and talking to Damon, seeing about what we're going to do.
1: And I think, figuring out what we do with the head coach. It's obvious that he's not connecting with at least some of the players.
0: I mean, I was reading reports from people who were at the game, even against Detroit, Portland winning by 20 points and no smiling, no high-fiving, just the vibe. It's a
1: bummer vibe, man. Yeah.
0: Just horrible vibes. Just coming off of the Blazers in droves and I don't really know what it is. Maybe Billups isn't resonating with them because I have a hard time believing that they kind of care what's going on with Neil O'Shea. General managers and players usually don't interact super closely. It's a more of a hands-off relationship. There's something going on. And like you said, like the fans can read it too. Uh, the, the arena is just empty and, and dead and it's a bummer to see where the Blazers were and where they are currently. And I think that the best thing Portland did right now is they stopped digging, right? Stop digging and then figuring out a way to get yourself out of this, this trench, this hole, this well that you fell down into and work your way back up. And I think a huge step in the right direction is making the right choice um, at general manager and, and making sure the ownership is all in. Like if ownership's not all in, It really doesn't matter. I think everything stems from ownership and their commitment to the team and their commitment to accountability. So that's another thing is if Jody Allen is going to continue to be the primary owner of of this team, she's been known to take a hands-off approach. So you really need someone in the general manager's role to be on the honor system, to not just go wild, wild west with all of these decisions like Neil O'Shea was doing for the betterment of himself. You need a GM who's going to hold himself accountable or herself accountable. You need a GM who is going to treat everyone with respect to get everyone to buy in. And you're going to need a GM who is willing to pick a direction with this franchise because Lord knows it is not going to be Jody Allen and Burt Cold. As long as they're making money, I, I don't think they really give a rat's ass what goes on. Keep our name out of out of the media. Make sure everything's just, you know, smooth. But do what you have to do as long as those checks keep keep coming in. Yeah. And I think that's what did Portland in was Neil O'Shea was left at the helm, you know, kind of captaining the ship. And he, he sunk that. He sunk that motherfucker.
1: There's just so many other steps that have to be done but the first one is finally finished and it only took us a month to make the easy decision. So it is what it is, man. Um, it, it is a great day because we no longer have the ego driven maniac, but uh, we need to, there needs to be a lot more steps before we can truly be happy with the organization.
0: No, I, I think we are, are good. I think this is going to be interesting to see how it plays out with the team. There's a lot of injuries right now. The schedule starts to toughen up even at home. Again, my biggest question is when does the next shoe drop and where do the Blazers go for this season? Because you get too far down in the standings. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to try and claw your way back up. So where where do we go from here? That's, That's my lasting take on today's episode but it was, it was great to to chat with you uh with the sun actually being out instead of it being uh pitch
1: black we will be back sunday to talk about the week that was and thank you all for listening and we out here wherever you may be this is bill shinley good night everybody
0: let's go